0: I want to uh, draw our attention today to uh, a simple question in God's word, and perhaps uh, you have had an experience, no doubt maybe you have throughout the years, where you were in a a setting, whether that would be a classroom or some other sort of meeting or training session, and um, the presenter or the teacher, uh, the leader said, now if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them uh, at the end or throughout the presentation. And you were thinking about a question, but uh, you perhaps like me were either too shy or you felt, well, it's probably a dumb question. Uh, Or if I ask the question, it's going to make me look bad somehow or another. And just about that time, someone else uh, raised his or her hand and asked the very same question that you were pondering. And you were so glad and later found out that many people in that gathering had a very similar question. Today, we're going to look at a question that uh, we may not always verbalize uh, to others and uh, may not even be comfortable asking uh, it in a group, but it's a, it's a question found in the Bible. And so I want to turn our attention to Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6. And I think that you will relate to this question that appears in the Bible. No doubt you have asked it in your own heart. Uh, if not, um, musing out loud about it uh, with others, some point in your Christian life. Judges 6 tells us the story about Gideon. And uh, we pick up the story for our purposes in Judges chapter 6 to paint the background for us. <clears throat> We learn there that Israel, Judges chapter 6 and verse 6, was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. They were crying out, praying to God. It came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, verse 8, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel. He sent a a preacher, which said unto them, Thus saith, the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you. Notice how, how much emphasis here is on God's action. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drove them out from before you. And gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. He uses his covenant name here. And he says, Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So he's constantly reminding the people of Israel what he has done uh, as their king and Lord. And then he rebukes them for their uh, sin and lack of obedience. And verse 11 says, there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Oprah, um, that pertained unto Joash, the Abizzarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So it goes from the wide angle view of this meeting uh, to one particular individual uh, who's all by himself, it appears. And, notice it says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, and here is the question that we've all probably asked. O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? So the Lord doesn't directly answer Gideon's question with a Uh, With an answer, he actually gives him a command and asks him a question. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family's poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Let's just pray briefly. Father, we thank you for this, your word, the holy word of God. We ask for an understanding of it today and an application to our lives as we gather together today to pray for your movement, your mighty movement of your spirit and revival uh, in our churches and throughout the world. Lord, give us insight, we pray. Give us your Holy Spirit, the spirit of illumination. In whose name we pray. Amen. So here's the question If God is with us, why are these things happening to us? If God is with us, why does his church seem to be struggling so much? If God is with us, why do false teachers seem to be multiplying while the church seems to be decreasing? If God is with us, why does it seem that there is an increasingly uh, an increasing number of individuals, including uh, children who have been raised in the church, who have heard the gospel throughout their life, as well as many others who seem at this point in life to be defecting from the faith? Why why is the church recently um, uh, facing headward, headwinds and places where the gospel has been openly proclaimed? Um, For years. Why are so many believers who um, have endured intensive persecution throughout the years still in that persecution despite our prayers and efforts to counteract that? Why hasn't the Lord freed them? Why are there so relatively few committed Christians who will pray in groups like this for revival? And None of those questions even touch on the, uh, the the number of questions related to other forms of suffering, like relational, physical, emotional, financial needs. So if the Lord is with us, why is this happening? The moment that the angel of the Lord speaks to Gideon seems uh, somewhat dramatic and often very perplexing to us. Here he addresses him as a mighty man of valor, and yet he is in the the wine presses, hiding from the, the enemy, does not appear to be a mighty man of valor. And yet this question that Gideon asks really is somewhat of a snapshot of the nation asking if the Lord is really with us, why is our lives, why are our lives so hard? We would ask today, if the Lord is really with us, why does the church in many places seem to be at a low point? Why is evangelism so difficult in some places? Why does persecution reign? Why does revival seem well nigh impossible? I think we can all relate because we all have our wheelbarrows full, so to speak, of ifs, buts, and whys that we often bring to the Lord. But God graciously answers Gideon and God graciously gives us answers through his word as well, even if it's not always what we want to hear. I find it interesting here that when Israel cries out to God for deliverance, God does not send them a mighty warrior, but he sends them a prophet. He sends them a preacher. And when we're searching for truth and questions on our heart, it's always good to be under the sound preaching of the word of God and to go back to the word of God. These folks needed to hear the word of God in their distress. They needed to turn back to him and to his promises just like we need to hear that when we question God. The message of the prophet and the message of the angel of the Lord are essentially the same. The Lord Is with you. And that is the message that we need to hear as we continue to persevere in prayer for revival around the world. We need to constantly hear that reminder the Lord is with you. Jesus gives us that promise in Matthew 28, knowing at times evangelism would be difficult. The Lord is with you. And of course, the words of Hebrews 13 the Lord will never leave, the Lord will never forsake his people. This is not a quick and easy answer that the Lord gave to Gideon. Maybe not even the answer that Gideon or we want to hear. But God's spoken and we need to hear this word for our lives today. We too need to hear God's word and trust that he is with us. And we too need to obey him and constantly be confessing our sin and repenting of our wayward ways. And then we need to simply... Respond, as the angel tells Gideon to respond, obey and go in the might of the Lord. Even in this setting where we continue to pray, we are dependent upon the spirit's strength. Well, Gideon says, I'm not adequate, Lord. I'm not up to this task. I'm weak. I'm poor. I'm not the man you're looking for. But it is often true, isn't it, that in the In the depths of our inadequacy, that is when the Lord begins to work in and through us. When we are the weakest, God's strength is the greatest. And until we reach this point of being utterly laid out before the Lord, we will not be inclined to pray. We'll not be inclined to walk steadfastly and assuredly through trials. We'll continue to trust in ourselves until we come like Gideon. And say, I'm not adequate. It's really only when we know our own true shortcomings and then trust in the promises of God that we are able uh, to to realize um, God is with us and God will sustain us. Uh, Somebody has said that God's math goes like this our utter weakness and His. Omnipotent strength equals sufficiency for every trial that we face. And so what should we do with this uh, this question this morning In this story? I think we ought to repent and confess uh, to the Lord uh, areas in which we have um, erred and in which we have uh, not obeyed him and loved him as we should and loved others. And then I think we should, in this time of prayer, rely on God's presence, rely on God's power. Remember that as we continue to pray for revival, the Lord is with us and obey Him, recognizing that He has called us to prayer and sent us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, crying out to Him for true gospel revival. I pray the Lord will bless this meditation today. If the Lord is with us, we may ask, why is this happening? But we look to him every step of the way.